Winter, everyone, and welcome to This Week in the Bear Cave. I'm your host, Dennis Zerl, and this week we are sponsored by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Teller County, the historic Butte Theater in Cripple Creek, Colorado, bringing you the best in melodrama productions in the United States, and Peak Washing, LLC, the pressure washing professionals for that dirty job. Well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. I know I did, and of course I did exactly what I said I wasn't going to do, and that was just stuff my face full of food. And I always say that uh, I'm not going to eat that much, and uh, yep, it was one of those uncomfortable feelings when you stuffed your face with everything in sight. Then you kind of roll over and you look like fat bastards, you know, it's like, oh, just rum in my belly, but uh, ah, sometimes it's a horrible feeling, but it's a good one, but I'm kind of glad that it's over. Well, we have a fully loaded show for you today. Carol Harvey was scheduled to come in today, but she has been rescheduled for the 13th of December. I think it was a little bit of the inclement weather that stopped everybody from coming in this morning. We're just going to roll with it. We can't blame her for that. But not to worry. We have five other guests that are coming on to the Bear Cave Hotline today. Yeah, we're fully loaded for sure. And one of my special guests today in the second segment is Sherry Cardong from the Woodland Park Wind Symphony. So I'm looking forward to having a conversation with her and talking to her about the symphony. It's a it's a really cool 501c3, and they do a lot of good things for our community. So really looking forward to that conversation. And as you know, this is a busy time of the year, and uh, boy, we just got them stacked up outside the bear cave. Everybody wants to come on the show, and, and of course, we're more than willing to do that and try to accommodate as many people as we possibly can. So... Just be patient with us. We'll get to you at some point, hopefully. But uh, moving on, we have uh, story time with Michelle coming back this week. We have our field producer, Trevor Phipps, coming on. We have Victor Main Street manager, Kim Lottie, coming on to the Bear Cave Hotline. And if that's not enough for you, we also have the Butte Theater manager, Zach Stanio, checking in today as well. So it's a full court press here in the Bear Cave. But anyway, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. But uh, oh, by the way, remember we've been talking about NASA's Artemis 1 uh, rocket, right? That big launch? Well, they finally did it a couple weeks ago. Artemis one had a successful launch and the Orion spacecraft has since orbited the moon and has now gone beyond the moon and is setting a distance record for a spacecraft designed to carry human beings. I think it's uh, somewhere like uh, 268,563 miles, but uh, don't quote me on that one. That's a long way from home and if all goes as plans, Orion should splash down on December 11th, ending its 26-day long flight. So congrats to NASA for having a uh, successful test flight so far. In fact, I think they scheduled actually uh, seven more tests for that thing because they they run out of things to do with Orion. But uh, anyway, congratulations to them, and uh, we'll be looking forward to that next launch. Well, one story this week that I'm following, and it's really hard for me to talk about, but uh, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about that horrible shooting at Club Q by hater Andrew Lee Aldridge. So let me set this up for you. Picture a man who is the son of a crack-addicted former Mormon MMA fighter turned porn actor. Yeah, (laughs) right? But it gets better. His mother was arrested the same day as the fatal shooting by her son on two counts of misdemeanor disorderly conduct and resisting arrest over a meltdown she allegedly had when police arrived at her home. Now, I don't know if she heard about the shooting or not, but uh, you just can't make this stuff up. I mean, I can't even write about this kind of stuff because it's so weird. Yeah, this should probably be a news of the weird kind of story. Well, you always kind of wonder what uh, makes someone do what they do. Well, apparently last July, Anderson and his mom, Laura Vopel, were deplaning a flight in Denver, just landed in Denver, and Laura Vopel made racist comments and dropped an F-bomb on a Hispanic lady who was trying to get her luggage out of the top of the overhead compartment. She said something to the effects of, uh, hurry the F up, you stupid, and then whatever epithet she used after that, or racial slur. Well, it then spilled over into the terminal, and it was at that point that an African-American passenger tried to defend fuse the whole situation and get her to calm down when Anderson dropped an N-bomb on that passenger and said something to the effect that uh, I wish I could shoot all of you. 
Now, apparently that had been reported to the Colorado police by someone who recognized him from that flight. So here's this guy who was obviously not woke and not non-binary as his lawyers claim, right? Keyword being lawyers. He is simply a racist hater and the thought that he could march his fat carcass into an LGBTQ bar and shoot the place up was firmly planted in his mind. This is something this guy has been planning for a while, trust me. Well, what he didn't count on was a combat vet and other patrons stomping a mud hole in his fat ass. Well, if you listen to one of the patrons and a lot of people agree with him, he said that he just wished he would have finished the job and could have saved the taxpayers a lot of money on trials and keeping that oxygen thief alive. And it's hard for me not to disagree with that statement. Well, after the massacre at Club Q, Colorado Springs police showed up at uh, Mommy's house and they were warning Vopel that she needed to stop yelling or she would be arrested. She became combative and physically resisted the officers. And at that point, I don't think it was even clear about what she was yelling about, but it gets even better with uh, Mommy Durst. You can top that off with her being in hot water over a five-year probation term handed down in 2018 that she never finished. So there's lots of drama and issues going on here. Now let's talk about Daddy a little bit. Now Daddy, who we call Porn Pops, his name is Aaron Brink. And in an interview last week, he said that his first reaction upon hearing that his estranged son had committed the Club Q murders was, he was relieved that his son was not gay. I said, God, is he gay? I got scared. And he's not gay, so, whew. You know, we're Mormons and Mormons don't do gay. But there's no excuse for going and killing people. If you're killing people, there's something wrong. It's not the answer. Really? That's what you have to say about the situation there, Porn Pops? Nothing to say that it was a heinous crime committed by your devil spawn. On, but uh, just that, oh, I'm just glad that he's not gay. Wow. Well, we dug a little bit deeper and we come to find out that Porn Pops had done some time in federal prison for drug trafficking. Yeah, what a nice guy. So is it any wonder that these two horrible parents created this racist and homophobic monster? I don't think so. But what do his lawyers do as he's in the hospital recovering from all the lumps and bumps? If you saw the picture, they beat the hell out of that guy. They did what anyone else would do. You go to the woke card and you claim yourself a non-binary person. You're hoping to cop a plea so you don't get the extra hate crime charges attached to your murder charges already, right? Now, this is the same guy who last year also threatened to blow up his mother's house. Oh, by the way, mom still has three outstanding warrants for her arrest in California. Something to the effect of, uh arson good grief this is a seriously screwed up world that we live in right now but uh, anyway well the donald is always in the forefront of the news lately and uh, even more so now that he announced his candidacy but apparently last week he had a very interesting dinner party yep the donald last tuesday or i guess it was the tuesday before thanksgiving he invited fellow presidential candidate formerly known as kanye west yep i said it kanye is running for president but I don't think Donald knew it at the time. Anyway, Kanye, now going by the name of Yee or Yay or whatever. Yay! He invited him over for some pre-Thanksgiving festivities. And what does a rapper do when he's invited to a former president's house for Din Din? Well, of course, you bring your posse. You bring your favorite white nationalist and anti-Semite buddy Nick Fuentes to the party. Hold on there! Now, the Donald claims that he didn't know Fuentes or he didn't know his backgrounds when he dined with him that day. And this is a claim that Fuentes confirmed in an interview a couple of days after they had that dinner. But it was others at this crowded members-only club that figured out his identity. So, you can imagine the avalanche of criticism that came from, oh man, Republicans, rivals, and anybody else who doesn't like the Donald. So this all starts happening just one week into his presidential campaign. So of course now damage control is in full swing with new vetting procedures, gatekeeping, all that kind of stuff. And that's in progress now after Fuentes and the Donald and Yee, they all found themselves dining at the same table. Oh no! Looks like Donald kind of walked into a trap and one that leveraged his own penchant for spectacle and showmanship against him, right? It just kind of backfired because everybody knows that he likes to put on a show and he's a big showman, right? Well, this one didn't go so well for him. So I guess not much really has changed with the Donald. It's usually one crisis after another. And uh, for him and his band of misfits, I can only see the people who are trying to wrangle him 
Shouldn't they have known that a reputed racist was coming to dinner that night with his buddy, the rapper? Shouldn't they have known that? But uh, in Donald's defense, he probably didn't know who Fuentes was, but being the showman and reality TV producer he is, he made sure that they sat at his table on the patio for all to see. But as it turned out, the dinner wasn't exactly a photo op that Donald had planned. Well, <laughs> go figure. He must really have flipped his lid after Yee posted a video after the dinner and said that uh, the Donald was really impressed by Nick Fuentes. Oh, also, Fuentes praised the Donald as my hero and criticized Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for his potential challenge to the Donald. You know, honestly, it kind of looks like Kanye punked the Donald. I mean, he trolled the troller. So, of course, the Donald reps claimed that he was tricked by the rapper and his guest and that it was reported by a Trump confidant that the Donald was fuming afterwards saying that he ambushed me. He tried to F me over. He's crazy and he can't beat me. Well, uh... Probably right about that one. But again, this is so Donald, isn't it? But the bottom line is that Donald was warned not to invite ye because of his recent anti-Semitic comments. But apparently the Donald ignored it because it was a great photo op, right? You're not going to turn that down. Well, it seems like not much has changed because the Donald still can't seem to get out of his own way. But, uh, oh my God, this, this nonsense is giving me just a serious headache. Well, fear not because I think I have a cure for all that kind of stuff and it's coming up next. So don't go away. You know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Teller County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. I called Josh right away and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. He'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4773 or email him at joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at csabode.com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied. My name is Dennis Zarrell still, and today my guest is from the Woodland Park Wind Symphony, and she is the treasurer, and it's Sherry Cardong. Sherry, welcome into the Bear Cave. Well, good morning. Thank you, Dennis, and thank you for having me on the show this morning. Absolutely. Now, I, I got to ask you, you know, when I first came up here, I had no idea that there were so many musicians and uh, talented people in our town. And when I heard about the Wind Symphony, I was kind of like, huh, I got to check this thing out. So I, I went to the concert last year, mm -hmm. and it was awesome. It was really cool. You're the treasurer, but you're also a flute player, right? That's right. Yes, yes. I'm a flute player. Um, and the, the Wind Symphony itself has actually been around for over 25 years. It started as the Woodland Park Community Band. Wow. And it was much smaller at that time. So we're talking back in, what, the uh, 90s and... Craig Harms has been running this Wind Symphony since that time, and we keep adding members. We're up to about 70 members now, Dennis. That's amazing. So it's really grown, and it gives a lot of us that used to play maybe when we were in middle school or junior high, high school, and maybe haven't picked up an instrument in a few decades sometimes, <laughs> gives us a chance to play with a group 
refurbish our skills and um, provide music for the community. As we'll be talking about, we have Christmas concerts. We play at the 4th of July in Memorial Park. The past two summers, we've been honored to play for the Symphony Above the Clouds on July 5th, because with the pandemic, the Philharmonic was unable to come up from Colorado Springs. So we took their place for the last couple of years, and that was so much fun. It was really an honor to be able to do that. So it's quite a group of musicians. A lot of our group are lifetime music educators or professional musicians, but then a lot of us are like myself, where we've picked up our instrument later, and it's so much fun to get together with people and make some great music. That's really cool. You you know, I used to complain because my mother, she made me start playing piano when I was like, I don't know, six years old, (laughs) six or seven, and I hated it because I wanted to go out and play baseball and and participate Mm -hmm. in sports and do all that kind of stuff, but now you kind of get older and you kind of regret not keeping up with those skills, you know what I mean? It's surprising how you can pick it up again. For me, it was about 45 years, I think. I picked up my flute once in a while. It was in the closet. But then um, when I moved here to Woodland Park about seven, eight years ago, and I was retired at that point, and I got serious about it again. And it's so much fun. And I think I didn't tell you, Dennis, I also sometimes play backup percussion. Now, that's really, I didn't do that in school. But it's really fun to hit things and shake things and make a lot of noise back there. <laughs> and um, Boy, I bet you're fun of family dinners. <laughs> the caveat to that is you do have to stay in time. Yeah. So, but if you want to feel powerful, pick up the bass drum mallet and hit the bass drum. You feel like, wow. I agree because uh, I was a kind of a string person. You know, my mom made me pack that violin around. Uh, Playing a violin back in the 60s and 70s wasn't really cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, so I started playing the drums. I started picking up the drums in in junior high. I mean, I was still Mm -hmm. sporting a cello around wherever I Uh went. But if I got injured in some kind of a sporting event, I I couldn't play. It's like, all right, I get to go with the uh, percussion guys today. And uh, you're right. There's something something liberating about being able to hit a kettle drum or a bass drum or something like that. I think it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You've been playing since you were a kid, right? I did, yeah. Um, Yeah, through junior high, high school. Then I left that for a while and, you know, you get off into your career or whatever. But I always had music as a hobby to uh, fall back on. But then once you find you have a little more time, like I said, after retirement and can pick up an instrument again, it really comes back to you. Reading the music even comes back, even if you haven't done it in how many years. And uh, it's just a great group of people. We call ourselves a family the Willem Park Wind Symphony, and Craig is our director, Craig Harms. And our slogan is, you audition us, we don't audition you. So we take members of all abilities and you know work them into the group. And like I say, we're up to about 70 members now. That's an amazing attitude to have, you know, because uh, I would be that 25th chair clarinet player that's, you know, kind of squeaks <laughs> every now and then. <laughs> Yeah, the squeaky clarinet guy, that would be me. (laughs) Well, we all squeak, you know, one time or another on whatever, (laughs) so to speak. But but it's a lot of fun. And Craig and and his wife, Bev, gosh, they're the best directors a group like ours could have. You know, I'm amazed because you guys went and traveled last year, too. Didn't you go compete somewhere? We did. Yes, Dennis. Thanks for thinking of that. We auditioned via video or audio and so forth. And we went to Santa Fe and it was the American Concert Band Association. Uh, We were one of, I think it was six or seven concert bands that was chosen to perform in Santa Fe. That was in May. And it was a wonderful experience. That really says something. I mean, you can't be some kind of schlep off the street. You got to be pretty good. Well, yes. Yeah. It was tough competition. So we were proud to um, been chosen for that. It was a great experience. And, um, we were honored to be there. Did all the members go? I mean, that's got to be quite a bit of a financial burden to make sure everybody can get down there in hotels and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, you're you're right. You're right. And most of us were able to go. Not everyone, of course, depending on work schedules or school schedules, what have you, because we are a group of all ages from about age 14 to people in their 80s. So most were able to go. But you're right, it's a big expense. And we are a nonprofit organization. We're a 501c3 for the last few years now, but it's all nonprofit. No one's paid. And so people needed to, you know, get money together, get donations to get themselves there, the hotel bills and so forth, because it was about a three-day, but depended. We played one day, but there were workshops and wonderful clinics and things. So you could make it into a four-day event. So you're right, expenses you know, added up, but it was well worth all of that. So we were proud to do it. 
I think just being part of something bigger than yourself. I mean, you you hear that said all the time, but it's true. I mean, I love playing perhaps in an ensemble, a smaller group or as a duo, but then to be part of a big group like this and produce the sound that we do, I think that's my favorite part of being the Wind Symphony. It's just you're part of a bigger effort. I was online yesterday just kind of doing a little bit of homework and you guys put out an album as well, right? We did, yes. This is the first one that I can think of. It's an audio CD. We recorded it in September. Um, it was actually recorded at the End Center. And it it's the concert that we presented at the End Center on September 18th. And so with a donation of at least $10, we have those CDs available. We'll have them available at our upcoming concerts for uh, people to um, enjoy the music that we presented then. And again, it's a nonprofit, so all the money goes to a really good cause and um, maybe send you guys to uh, wherever again this year, right? Yes. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, we are nonprofit. So first of all, of course, have to cover the expenses for making that audio CD, but also everything when we present a concert, you know, from the U-Haul to get our percussion equipment from our rehearsal hall over to the Cultural Center, for example, concert program printing, our publicity, um, insurance, of course, we have to insure our percussion equipment. So we do have a lot of expense that has to be covered through donations because we are nonprofit. You know, I never thought about that, too. You just mentioned that the U haul and hauling gear around because uh, some of that percussion mm-hmm. equipment is pretty big and mm-hmm. you don't have a set of roadies with you. So, you know, you've got to do it all yourselves, right? Exactly. We are the musicians and the roadies. <laughs> yeah. Dual hats. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a busy next few weeks. And I'm just going to let you kind of take it away. What have we got coming up? Well, being the holiday season now, we've got three big events. Two are musical and one's not. So let's talk about the first one coming up. We are co-sponsors along with the Lighter Side of Christmas for the third annual Woodland Park Dan Macris Holiday House Decorating Contest. Say that three times fast. <laughs> exactly. Now, Dan Macris, for someone who may not know, his name was a longtime teacher and coach here in Woodland Park. He, we lost him. He passed just a couple of years ago. But he had a home right across from the Woodland Park Middle School that he would decorate with a circular driveway and people could drive through and see his wonderful holiday decorations. And so in his honor, this home decorating contest was started a couple of years ago. And so this year it's for homes here in the Woodland Park area. You can sign up on our website, the Woodland Park Wind Symphony website, which is, I'll, I'll say it slowly, it's all one word, Woodland Park Wind Symphony. And you can register your home for the Holiday Home Decorating Contest. The deadline for registering is this Saturday, December 3rd. And then judges will be driving around the neighborhoods between the 4th and the 10th of this month. And then the winners will be announced on December the 11th. And there will be three winners. And I should say up front, the prizes are bragging rights. Those are the best kind anyway. (laughs) I think so. Yeah, you put that sign out in your front yard and just go, okay, everybody else, you know, jump on board for a change. There you go. Yeah, like I said, deadline is this weekend, Saturday, December 3rd. So be sure to get your home ready and, and get entered in the contest if you um, want to do that. I did it last year. It's a, it's a great time. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you'd be surprised how creative people can be with lighting and everything else, even some sound. I think sometimes people put audio to it. And then our other two big events are actual music concerts. So this coming Sunday, December 4th, is our Swing Factory Big Band. And the concert is called Snazzy Jazzy Christmas Concert. Some wonderful Christmas charts. Our Swing Factory Band is a little smaller. It's a couple dozen members, some of whom maybe a quarter of them are wind symphony players as well. But the others are, many of them are professional musicians or, as we were talking earlier, lifetime music educators. Lead vocals is Paula Schroeder. She sang in Las Vegas for years with the show City Lights. Wow. So we've got some real talent in the Swing Factory. And um, that particular concert starts at 7 p.m. this coming Sunday. Doors open at 6 o'clock for the reception. So there's a cash bar and reception. You can meet some of the musicians. Music starting at 7 and it is free. It's a free concert with donations. No reservations needed. Please come show up. Come for the reception and then the music 
starts at seven. Yeah, you can take a couple of belts and get your uh, toes tapping by the time the there concert gets go. going. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> exactly. And the music sounds even better. <laughs> yeah, I bet it's good anyway. You know? Yeah, it's great. So that's this weekend. And then the final event, which is for the Wind Symphony, is Sunday, December the 11th. That's the Wind Symphony Sounds of Christmas. It's This year, it's actually the Sounds of Christmas of Julie Giraud who is an Emmy award-winning composer. So we're doing music by Julie Giraud. There are two concerts, one at 4 p.m. and one at 6.30 p.m. because we needed to be able to accommodate you know, larger groups. Unfortunately, those concerts at this point are sold out. It, it's free, but it's by reservation. Now, on our website, however, if you click on the reservation button, we are taking wait list at this point for both those concerts. So again, it's 4 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. Reservations required, but we are waitlisting at this point. And it is also free like the other concert, but donations, much appreciated. And we're hoping if folks have registered and now they find that they're unable to come, we hope they'll go online and cancel their reservations so that we can accommodate some others to that. So be a good neighbor if you can't make it or if you got something else to pop. You know, stuff happens, right? So, right. But, but take a couple of minutes and just go online. I got my tickets early. I, because I saw what happened last year and I think I got reservations last year because I was part of the whole house decorating thing. As soon as I saw the announcements online, I jumped right on and got my reservations. So I learned from Good. last year because that place was packed. Well, and, and if I didn't say so, it's in the cultural center. That's where the, these performances are or you pass cultural center. So yes, it is space limited. That's why we are always happy to have a large group, but we do have to limit. Well, I, I got to ask you this because this is all volunteer. So it takes a, a lot of time. When and where do you guys rehearse? I mean, that's a mm -hmm. good question. It seems difficult because you got to spend some time practicing. Well, we do. And we do need space. And so, because percussion equipment, of course, you've got your bass drum and your right. vibraphone and your xylophone and so forth. So we do need space. And so at this point, we're lucky and happy to have the Mountain View United Methodist Church allowing us to use their upstairs space. It actually used to be the sanctuary until they remodeled and the newer sanctuary is on the, the main floor downstairs. So, but they have a large space upstairs and we meet on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock and it's usually about an hour and a half, sometimes a two hour rehearsal, depending. And people are expected to stay to practice during the week, of course. So we call it woodshedding. You gotta, you have to woodshed some of that music so that you're ready for the next Tuesday rehearsal. Yeah, because if not, you'll wind up in the woodshed. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing that only an hour and a half, I would think it'd be longer than that. But uh, again, you guys have been playing most of your lives and, and uh, you got professionals and teachers and people from all mm -hmm. walks of life, which I, I think is really cool. Yeah, it is. You know, it, it really brings the whole level up. Like I say, some of us that, you know, didn't play for quite a while listening to these others. I mean, it just brings us up quickly to a different level than you could accomplish on your own. So, well, Sherry, give me that website one more time. So, uh, people can follow along and, and hopefully get on that wait list. You bet. It's the Woodland Park windsymphony.com All right, everybody, write that down, get on there, and uh, if nothing else, you should just be supporting our symphony anyway, because it's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, it's great. Thank you, Dennis. Yes, and we so appreciate your support and appreciate being on the show this morning. Yeah, you might regret that after you hear the show, though, so who knows? <laughs> Probably. You're, yeah, you're, you're risking so. your reputation here, lady. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see. Hopefully in a good way, though. <laughs> yep. Hope so. All right, Sherry, I appreciate you taking some time and coming into the Bear Cave. And uh, don't be a stranger. We look forward to having you back in again as uh, events arise. Sounds great, Dennis. Thank you so much and happy holidays. Same to you, Sherry. And uh, hopefully I'll see you this weekend. Sounds good. Or next weekend, right. I should say. Okay. All right, Sherry, thanks Thank so much. Talk to you soon. Uh-huh. Bye. That was Sherry Cardong from the Woodland Park Wind Symphony. And I got to tell you, if you guys haven't heard this concert, I would get on that wait list if I were you because you never know what's going to happen. But uh, if you like big band and swing music, man, these guys are awesome as well. Well, when we come back, it'll be Michelle with Storytime on the Bear Cave Hotline, followed by our field producer, Trevor Phipps. So don't go away. Are you tired of gambling? Or maybe gambling just isn't your thing? Then you need to come visit the historic Butte Theater, located in the heart of Cripple Creek, Colorado. Enjoy our classic melodramas, Shakespeare of the West, 
musicals, comedies, and our community's favorite Christmas show. The Butte is fun for the whole family, so get your tickets today at thebuttetheater.com and come join in our fun. Back in the Bear Cave, and right now it is story time with Michelle on the Bear Cave Hotline. Hi, Michelle. How are you today? Good, good. Did you make it through Thanksgiving okay? I did, but I was like, uh, I was kind of like fat bastard. You know, I I did what I said I wasn't going to do, and that was overeat. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) yeah, we kind of do non-traditional Thanksgiving, so we had like turkey enchiladas, right? Right. And uh, yeah, I felt like a tick when I got done with that meal. I just kind of rolled over with a stomach that was painfully full. And, and then the pumpkin pie showed up and uh, I just, it's like crack. I just shoved it in my face and just kept eating. No, we did the same thing. We totally overindulged. We had Thanksgiving twice. That's oh, wow. pretty bad. Go big or stay home, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we did traditional on Thursday and then we did surf and turf on Saturday with the rest of the family. So oh, wow. we were all very very full of food for days. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I managed to get out and get the uh, Bear Cave Holiday Woods up and running. At least I got something accomplished. I, I didn't feel too bad. Yeah. Only laid around for one day. No, oh, good. Good. <laughs> Couldn't have beat the weather though. The weather was fabulous. It was until uh, I woke up this morning and found out there was eight degrees and there was four inches of snow outside. So yeah, no kidding. Well, anyway, it is our last week of the month for Veterans Month in the Bear Cave. And I know you got something special planned today. I do. I reached out to some gentlemen that are really involved with the local American Legion Post 171. I thought, who better to ask about some local uh, veterans in the area that have served and what their stories are. So, man, they came back to me full force, which was awesome. So I, I looked at all three of them. And I chose a gentleman that I actually met and helped out with a, a special project. So uh, let me talk a little bit about his name is Bill McPherson. All right. Fire away. Yeah. Bill McPherson entered the Army as an enlisted infantryman in Korea, transitioned into helicopters and warrant officer ranks, and later with three tours of duty in Vietnam as an officer. He was shot down three times, wounded four times, and earned Silver Star, Distinguished Flying Cross, two Bronze Stars for Valor, two Purple Hearts, 22 Air Medals, six Army Commendation Medals, and numerous other medals, awards, and ribbons. Wow, glad he didn't do anything during the war. Yeah, right? (laughs) Holy smokes. So um, Bill happened to live right here in Cripple Creek, and as our city administrator in 2007, he personally acquired two UH-1 Huey helicopters for display. One is placed in the Vietnam Memorial Wall area of Mount Pisgah Cemetery, and the other was completely restored, fully equipped, and mounted on a trailer for parades and patriotic displays around the state of Colorado as part of his quote-unquote gunship ministry. Wow. I've seen the one at the cemetery. Yeah, so this gentleman is the one that acquired that and put it back together and restored it. Good for him. Yeah. So Bill McPherson is the past commander of the Victor Cripple Creek American Legion Post 171, operated the historic Vietnam helicopter mobile display as a registered Colorado nonprofit corporation. Their mission was to educate and inform the public about the history of helicopter operations during the Vietnam War and to honor and perpetuate the memory of the men and women who gave their lives and those who served during the horrific war. Since being rescued from the salvage field, this Huey display has over and over again proven to be a point of emotional connection with veterans and a point of interest in education for the general public, young and old. And I had the opportunity to talk with him briefly about that. And he said, it's actually a healing tool for a lot of Vietnam veterans. It yeah. takes them back to that time, but and they make that connection. And a lot of times they actually open up about their experiences and kind of you know, release that. And so it was fascinating talking to him and how he came up with this idea. 
And like I said, this is just this guy that ended up in Cripple Creek after all these experiences. You know, I can see that because uh, there are good times in times of conflict. I mean, you've got your comrades and you've got your your buddies and stuff like that. And I get exactly what he's saying because uh, it does bring back some good memories along with some of the bad, obviously. But uh, anytime I see a Huey helicopter like that on display, I, it, it does take me back to actually some some pretty good times. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it, the one that he used in uh, parades. I've seen that parade after parade after parade in Cripple Creek. And so how I met him is the Tulsa Air Space Museum reached out to me in 2020. And they had been talking, uh, by the way, his rank was a colonel. They've been talking to Colonel McPherson about the fact that he had a seat of a Huey helicopter. And so this museum was looking everywhere to find this last piece that they needed for this display. And so they got in touch with Mr. McPherson and he had it and he agreed to donate it. So they get in touch with me and they're like, so we got it, he wants to donate it, now we need to figure out how to get it here. And I'm like, okay, let's figure this out. <laughs> got a truck? So, so um, I ended up calling different UPS stores down in Colorado Springs, found one of them that would actually package up the seat and ship it to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I got in touch with my transportation department, with the public works department, because these seats weigh like, what, 70, 80 pounds? Yeah, they're pretty heavy. They are pretty heavy. So it took two guys. We loaded it up in the back of a city truck. We took it down to this UPS store and they packaged it, shipped it. And so um, now it's on display in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the wow. Air Museum. Yeah. So there's a piece of history. <laughs> wow. And you're part of it. That's pretty cool. It was super exciting. I mean, when, when he reached out to me, I was like, oh my gosh, I really get to be a part of this. So I reached out just this morning to the original gentleman that I was talking to in Tulsa and asked him if he would send me some pictures of the final display. And so he's going to do that. So as soon as I get those, I will post them on the uh, Facebook page so everybody can kind of look that over and, and see a little piece of Cripple Creek and, you know, this outstanding gentleman um, and his experiences. And now we're represented over in Oklahoma. That is an amazing story. Now, is Colonel McPherson still in the area? So according to this bio, it says that he moved to South Dakota in the past couple of years and his gunship ministry, Huey, is housed in the wings over the Rockies Air Museum in Aurora. So he's no longer here local, but we still have the Huey up at the Mount Pisgah. And then I guess you can go see the other one at the wings over the Rockies Air Museum in Aurora. So we still have them around. Wow, that makes it even more special now. So next time I go up to Mount Pisgah, because I, I like to go up there and hang out, you know, because the view is beautiful and there's a lot of history in that uh, oh, cemetery. Yeah. I'll be thinking about him from now on. So that's uh, what a what a great story. Yeah, see, you just got to reach out to the right people. So that's my story. I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> yeah, you should. That was a great story. Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, what's happening up in Cripple Creek? Well, you know, as I've been mentioning, it's just kind of our quiet time. The weather is not helping getting people up the mountain because they're scared to drive. I was scared to drive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> it was not fun <laughs> at all. <laughs> I know you've got Zach coming in. He'll be talking about the Buttes. So that's one thing we got going on. Um, some of the museums are still open on the weekends. So uh, we talked about shopping local. So come on up. Everybody's got some cool stuff. It's not just museum-y stuff. Great books, great clothing stuff, items, things like that, and all the local small shops. So get out there, support small and local. And right up here in Cripple Creek and Victor, our shops and stores are open. I hear you. Maybe I'll let the cat out of the bag a little bit too. Uh, Michelle is coming back in the bear cave for our Christmas. Christmas special. Absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Throw that reputation right out the window. <laughs> we don't care, but we'll have some interesting stories for you then and during our Christmas show. And that's going to be on the, the week of the 20th of December. So looking forward yep. to having you back in here. Yeah. I'll dust your seat off for you. Hey, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Megan is coming in on the 13th. Megan Roselle is coming in. So man, two weeks yeah. of fireworks. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh-oh, look out. <laughs> yeah. I got my helmet sitting right here i'm good <laughs> all right michelle well thanks for that uh, surprisingly awesome story and uh, not surprisingly that it was such a great story but just surprising that uh, you know our local heroes were in there and so that was really cool thanks thanks no thank you for letting me be able to share stuff like that i, I love it me too all right well until next week uh stay warm throw another log on uh, on your barricade fire and uh we'll talk to you next week sounds good you guys stay safe stay warm okay michelle take care bye-bye bye, -bye. Bye. That was my producing partner, Michelle Roselle, calling us from the Heritage Center up
up in Cripple Creek. Well, next up on the Bear Cave Hotline is our field producer, Trevor Phipps. Trevor, are you staying warm today? That's the question. Yes, I have been just working from home. Hey, here we are in the Bear Cave anyway. What the hell, right? Yeah. Well, hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving, and uh, man, it has been a crazy couple of weeks. We've had this crazy shooting going on down in Colorado Springs, and the short-term rental thing just doesn't seem to go away. So what's your latest take on the whole STR thing? Well, I I watched the city council meeting, and they passed an ordinance at the last city council meeting. David Ott took the floor, and he pretty much came up with a negotiation for council. Basically, it's going to keep things similar to how the way they are now, but they are going to set up regulations for a short-term rental license and actual license that people can get. And then in the next 12 to 18 months, they're going to do a economic study to figure out how things are going. And then they're also going to get feedback from the police department to figure out how many violations there have been, complaints there have been within that period of time. And then at that point, they can go back to planning commission and they can revise the regulation. Did you say 12 to 18 months? Yeah. Wow. With everybody except Frank Connors and Robert Zuluago voted no on it. Right. But then earlier this week on Monday, I got an email saying that the law was no longer going in effect for the time being because I guess there's what's called a referendum petition was filed. And then after talking to council member Frank Connors, what that was is there's a group of citizens that came forward. As a citizen, you can file a petition saying that I don't like what the ordinance was or the council's decision on it, basically. And then as far as I know, they haven't got the language officially approved for the petition, but once they get the petition, they've got to get a little over 700 signatures on the petition, and then it can either go back to council, and then council can say, okay, let's start over, or no, we agree, or if council says no, then it goes to a vote. Hey, didn't we just do this with the school board? <laughs> just saying. Yeah, it's, from what I understand, it is a similar process to a recall of a recall of a public official, but instead it's trying to reverse a decision that they made. And I guess they make it a little harder since you're trying to go against what an official said in place. I heard somebody calling it the uh, Wild West Ordinance, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, and that's actually what David Ott named it, because what he did is he put together this big Microsoft Excel worksheet and had like three different columns that had banning STRs or restricting them. And then in the center was Wild West, which was pretty much what has been being done now. (laughs) And then in the third column, it was like no rules or something. And then he listed like five or six pages, the pros and cons of the Wild West. And then at the end, he said he would agree with the Wild West option if the economic study was included into it so they could get more information. There's actually a process established for a short-term rental license. Well, I kind of make fun of it all, you know, the whole process, because it's been going on for a while now. But uh, you would have thought that early on that that's kind of what you want to do is do an economic impact study, get the chief of police involved. So, yeah, it sounds like they're kind of on the right track. But, man, 12 to 18 months, I guess that's some reprieve for those people who are running STRs right now. But then you have, what, 30 people waiting in the wings that really can't do anything until this is all resolved, right? No, they can't. Oh, they can. Okay. Part of that ordinance provided the rules and regulations for our short-term rental license, and there will be no restrictions on it for the next 12 to 18 months until all the information is received. Okay, I got you. So they can get new ones, they can extend, they can reapply. Well, everybody's going to have to reapply because nobody has an STR license right now. People have businesses licenses from the city for a short-term rental because there wasn't anything, there wasn't such thing as a short-term rental license until now. Man, if I think about this too much, my head's going to start aching again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. It's kind of confusing stuff. Wow. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll stand by and see what happens. I know there's a bunch of meetings and whatnot going on. It sounds almost like, uh, yeah, we're back to square one again, where another special election happening or whatever. I, who knows? I'm confused. <laughs> we'll see how it all works out. 700 signatures seems like a lot. Yes, we will. You may get them. Who knows? If Cripple Creek can put together a pot plan, I think uh, maybe (laughs) Woodland Park can put together some kind of a comprehensive plan that makes sense for everybody. But who knows?
Well, one thing for sure that we can say, moving on to maybe some sports, is that uh, the Woodland Park cheerleaders are bringing it once again this year, right? Yeah, they're having a great season. They haven't had their state championship yet. That'll be on December 9th. But they've competed six times now, and I bet to the coach have been five times, and they had already they had either taken first or second place. In every tournament competition that they had been to, they either took first or second place, and they took two first places in a row. I know that, and so they were in track for state championship to go back a couple years two years ago first time in a while they made it to state and they took third at the state championship last year they took second at the state championship so this year their goal and the coach's goal is to take away first place and hopefully have the first place trophy in state which would then qualify them to go to the nationals which they went to the nationals last year as well you know when you think of cheerleading you don't really think about uh, how competitive it really is and it's kind of an intense sport when you think about about gymnastics and the physical yeah. aspect, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, I say congratulations to them in advance, and uh, we're behind you, and hopefully that you'll do well at the state championship. So good luck there. For sure. I hope they win state. Me too. Well, one thing we're not going to do this week is talk about those guys up north, you know, that, that football team that's uh, up there in Denver. But uh, there's got to be some hope for the football season around here in Colorado, right? Yeah, well, well, I mean, Colorado State and Colorado Buffaloes, they didn't do very well this year at all, but Air Force Falcons, they actually finished second place in NW Mountain, part of the Mountain West division with a 9-3 overall record. Did get second place to Boise State because Boise State gets undefeated in conference play. And Air Force has won their last four games and they're headed to a bowl game. I heard they could play the Red Raiders at a bowl game in Texas. Nothing is official on that yet. Yeah, plenty of uh, football left and people you can cheer for other than that team who we are going to talk about. <laughs> All right, Trevor. Well, uh, stay warm and bundled up and uh, we'll check in with you again next week. All right. You have a great day. Bye now. Up next on the Bear Cave Hotline, it's our friend, Victor Main Street Manager, Kim Loddick. Kim, how are you today? Doing great, Dennis. How are you doing? Well, let's just say I'm not going to go outside in flip-flops and a light coat of oil to get a suntan anytime soon. <laughs> Well, that sounds very prudent of you. Yeah, right. Uh, maybe I should run for Congress or something. I actually made a smart decision. Hey, uh, enough enough other people are doing it, right? But anyway, so what's happening up in Victor? Probably a lot of stuff since the last time we talked. Oh, oh by the way, I got to mention, it was good to see you last weekend. Went up to uh, one of my favorite places, the Gold Camp Bakery. And who is outside? Kim Loddick. Yeah, it was, it was really nice to meet you. I got to meet your wife. You got to meet my dog. I did. I love that dog. He's like the coolest animal. I think so too. I know I have a bias, but he's honestly a, like a really excellent beast. He looks like a cartoon dog too. He does. He's, he's got some serious camera presence, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Well, what's happening up there in Victor? I bet a lot of stuff is coming uh, our way in December, right? We do have quite a few things coming down the pipes uh, in December. Right now, a lot of listeners have probably noticed that the head frames around the gold belt loop have been lit, and they will remain lit through the weekends now through, through January 1st. Uh, if we have really, really horrendous weather any of those times, then we might uh, give the guys who are filling up the generators a break. But uh, every weekend now through January 1st, those head frames will be lit throughout the evenings. And then nightly, every single night, December 24th, so New Year's Eve, through January 1st, the last day. I was going to ask you, somebody has to go up there and actually crank that uh, generator up every night, right? Yes, sir. Every night. Fill it up uh, with gasoline and crank it up, make sure everything things in order and then they run until that gas runs out for the night. That would be the person I say uh, I'm buying you as much beer as you can drink for the next month. Yeah. Yeah, those people are are well taken care of sort of. <laughs> They're also <laughs> they just happen to be diehard to believe they they believe in the cause. Yeah, love those guys. And girls, probably, right? You know, um, yeah, yep, there are. There are guys and girls. Shout out to them, for sure. Uh, on that real fast, there is a map available at all the businesses in Victor, probably several throughout Cripple Creek, too, and it can be found online. Anybody who goes to the Southern Teller County Focus Group Facebook page or the Victor Main Street Facebook page will find a black and white map showing where all those head frames are. There's some that you'll see on your normal travels, but some that you might have to go search for. So it's fun to get this map to make sure that you see all of them. 
I remember the first year I went up there, I went, is is that a stocking hanging out there in the middle of nowhere? And it was on a head frame because, you know, I was the new guy in town. But, uh, yeah, it's really something to see. Yeah, so we've got that going on. Um, and then on December 7th, a gentleman named Dan Black is doing something that's never been done here in Victor. He has built by hand a diorama of Pearl Harbor moments before it was struck for the first time. It's to scale one seven hundred, and it's really something to see these. I haven't seen the whole diorama, but I've seen some of the parts, some of the ships that he's put together for this thing, and it's really incredible. It will basically fill up our community center, our Vicky Center in Victor, and he's going to do a presentation. He is a, a Pearl Harbor scholar, a historian, and he will do a presentation on December 7th. He'll be there all day long, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Anybody can wander in at any time to look at the diorama, ask questions, talk about Pearl Harbor, whatever comes up. But then at 1 p.m. to 2 p.m., he will do part one of his presentation and then take a break. And then 2 p.m. to 3 15, part two. So it's going to be a deep dive into Pearl Harbor history. And then he'll do that again in the evening, 6 to 7 p.m. part one, 7.15 to 8.15 part two. You know, I'm glad there's people like him around because uh, we have a tendency to forget just like we forgot about 9-11 already. You know, we just kind of go on with our, our busy lives. So hats off to him. Hopefully I can make it up there because uh, that is a uh, December 7th is always one of those days that's kind of revered for veterans and generally the United States. Absolutely. So uh, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be really cool. Yeah, me too. And without knowing everything that's in his presentation, I've talked with him a little bit about it. And this guy knows some history. So even those people who who have not forgotten about Pearl Harbor and, and know some of the details might learn something new. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then December 9th is Victor's big Christmas bash. We'll be partying all day on December 9th. That's Friday, starting at 10 a.m. Our community is going to gather at Pinnacle Park Plaza, right in the heart of downtown. We're going to have all of our decorations out, and uh, it's just going to depend on how many people show up. No, who knows what's going to happen, but we're going to take our decorations. We're going to put them up uh, at Pinnacle Park Plaza in Wallace Park. We have a lot of decorations. We expect several people to donate more decorations. We're just going to have fun. We're, we're going to eat snacks and drink hot chocolate, listen to music, and decorate our downtown gathering spots as a community. So that's open to everybody in and outside of Victor. And we'll decorate either until we run out of decorations or until people have to start getting ready for the parade that night at 6. Parade lineup is at 5. So anybody who's going to be in the parade kind of has to get out of the plaza and go get their float in order and start lining up at 5. This is like a marathon. You will have a good time day. Yes, you will, whether you like it or not. (laughs) All right, get out of here. Go get your car. Yeah, exactly. And anybody who wants to to join the parade, also, it's it's definitely open to community members inside and outside of Victor. We're encouraging folks from Cripple Creek, Florissant, Guffey, Lake George, Fairplay, Woodland Park, anybody. Anybody who wants to be in our parade is absolutely welcome. We have an application and and a basic rule sheet, and anybody who wants to register for the parade can either reach out to me, Kim Lodig, klodig at cityofvictor.com or go around to the claim jumper here in Victor. There's parade registrations there. There's some here at City Hall or I can email them out. So we're trying to make it easy for people. Okay, no excuses. No excuses at all. The rules are simple. There's no rigid theme requirements. Gold Camp Christmas theme is Jingle Bell Rock. So people can take that theme and use it or not. They can interpret it to their own liking. And they can just have fun with their own decoration. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of musical floats, sounds like. So people are taking the rock theme and having fun with it. And then after the parade, the parade will end at Pinnacle Park Plaza, which should be beautifully decorated by then. And we'll have a gathering just for one hour. We should be pretty tired by then. So 6.30 to 7.30, our local legend, Levi Richardson, will be playing folk and blues and whatever else he comes up with live on stage from 6.30 to 7.30. And anybody who's heard Levi play knows that it's really not a good idea to miss Levi playing. He's a very talented young man. And hopefully it'll be a little bit warmer than it is this week. I really, really hope. Actually, last year we planned something similar and it completely tanked because it was negative seven all day. (laughs) Jeez. We're like, no, we're not going to do this. Yeah. Well, it's good for hockey. It is good for hockey. Yeah. Negative seven. Just a little too cold to go outside and party. But just cold enough to go out and skate. Yeah. There you go. That's how we handle things in Victor. If it, we plan this stuff, and if it goes well, great. If it doesn't go well, then just go down to the rink and skate. It'll warm right up. 
Yeah, that's how Victor rolls. I like it. So that's December 9th. That's our big Christmas bash. We really hope to, to see a lot of people there. Should be fun. Yeah, sounds like a good time. So the next thing we have going on is December 31st, New Year's Eve, a second annual Christmas on Ice, which should be a blast. Uh, this year's theme is something about the Grinch. I'm not actually sure. I'm sure it's going to be very imaginative and a little bit unexpected. And the Grinch should make some sort of appearance. It'll be really fun. That is from 5 to 6 p.m. at the ice rink on December 31st. They are still accepting performers of all ages and all skill levels. And I do mean all ages and all skill levels. There's something for anybody who wants to perform in this show. There's something for them to do. But anybody who's interested in performing or wants more information, I can get them connected with Olivia, who's in charge. Speaking of Grinches, you know, we got that uh, photo op Grinch out here in the Bear Cave, too. I don't know if you've seen that picture yet. I did. Yeah, that Grinch is ready for photo ops. He won't even charge you any money. (laughs) Well, good. I'll keep that in mind next time I'm down, down the hill. Heck yeah, come on by. Well, that sounds like a full schedule that you guys got going, which is pretty much normal for Victor. You guys don't stand down very often, I don't think. There's always something going on. Thanks for saying that, Dennis. That's, that's how I feel, too. Finish up one thing and into the next thing. Just like last weekend, I, I thought, uh, okay, this would be a great weekend to go up to Victor. It's kind of the end of the holidays. Everybody's leaving. I thought, okay, we're going to sneak up to Gold Camp and just have some lunch and, you know, go up to the museum and kick around a little bit. Man, there was all kinds of people up in Victor last weekend. There was no shortage of folks. Yeah, the bakery, when I saw you and your wife, the bakery was full. Yeah, one of my favorite places. God, I love that place. Yeah, me too. We're very fortunate. Spoiled. I agree. Fortunate doesn't say it, we're spoiled. Well, it sounds like uh, never a dull moment up in Victor and uh, sounds like a, a bunch of good events and... Uh, Are you guys starting to play hockey on Sundays already? Yep. Hockey season's in full swing. We played, I played my first hockey game this past Sunday morning, um, but it was the second Sunday. So it's actually a really early season. The last week in November is usually when the ice is ready, but it was ready a full week early this year. Victor Penguins is completely run on donations, so people are always encouraged to just consider that. But it's very inclusive. It's, It's there so that we here in this community can have, like, live wonderful, charmed, outrageous lives. That's really what it does for us. <laughs> oh, I've never that heard anybody say that. like an overstatement, but it's not, man. Yeah, I mean, Victor is a state of mind. I mean, honestly, it really is, because... Uh, that's so funny. Maybe that's a bumper sticker we can sell and raise some money. Who knows? Yeah. All right, Kim. You know, if I don't see you before Christmas, which I probably will, you have yourself an excellent week, and uh, we'll probably be talking to you right before Christmas. Okay, sounds good. Thanks so much for having me on, Dennis. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Kim. We'll talk to you very soon. All right. Enjoy your day. That was our friend, Victor Main Street Manager Kim Lodig, and uh, never a dull moment up in Victor. I, I kind of like that whole thing. Victor is a state of mind. But uh, when we come back, we'll be joined by the Butte Theater Manager, Zach Staniel, followed by News of the Weird, and find out who gets the pleasure of spending some quality time on that bear pile this week. So lots more stuff coming up. Don't go away. Are you having a hard time seeing out of those dirty Colorado windows? Or maybe it's just time to finally clean those sidewalks, garages, and those stains on services around your home and office. Well, now there's a solution, and it's Peak Washing LLC. Veteran-owned and operated, Peak Washing LLC is your mobile window cleaning and pressure washing solution. Their services range from residential jobs to commercial projects using a safe and environmentally friendly approach. Peak Washing LLC can also clean and sanitize heavy construction equipment. There's virtually no job that Peak Washing can't handle. So call Greg at 719-651-7518 or find them on their Facebook page under Peak Washing LLC. That's Peak Washing LLC, your solution to that dirty job.
Welcome back to This Week in the Bear Cave. And right now in the Bear Cave hotline, it's our friend, the Butte Theater Manager, Zach Stanio. How are you, brother? Doing well, brother. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Uh, I got to tell you, the uh, Young Frankenstein, man. People are still talking about that show. And because I, you know, I haven't seen a lot of stage plays and stuff like that. I didn't really know what to expect. But I got to tell you, that is one of the funnest stage plays and best stage plays and performances that I have seen in a very, very long time. So congratulations to you, the Thin Air Theater Company, and everybody who participated in that production. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, it was phenomenal. Uh, Broadwayworld.com or uh, nominated it for I think 13 out of 20 different awards. And, uh, last time I checked on their site, it's a voting site. So anyone who's listening, go to that, uh, site or go to the Butte and we'll direct you there. I think we're winning every category by a significant percentage. Maybe we can post it on our, uh, bear cave social media pages too, and get out there and vote for that. Because I got to tell you, if, uh, the new show is half as good as that one, then like I said, I'm going to bring an extra set of depends because I was peeing in my pants. I was laughing so hard. During Mount Frankenstein. It was, it was amazing. Amen. So now we are in the midst of the Wizard of Oz Colorado. Tell me what that's all about. All right. So the Wizard of Oz Colorado is uh, the Christmas play here at the Butte. They are, Thin Air Theater Company always does a phenomenal Christmas show. And the nice thing about this is they use actors from the community for the Christmas show. So we've got, I think, five or six uh, young adults that are participating in the play, as well as uh, a couple of people that have acted here at the Butte before, uh, a little older. But everyone's having just a great time. That's got to be pretty cool if you're a, kind of an amateur actor and you get to work with some professionals. That's got to be some valuable experience that you're getting on stage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're they're getting the experience. They're uh, having a lot of fun. Fun with it. So they've taken the Wizard of Oz story and kind of adapted it to Cripple Creek. At first, when I heard it, I was like, well, what the heck does the Wizard of Oz have to do with Christmas? Right. But the playwright, Chris Sorensen, uh, did a phenomenal job kind of tying everything around Christmas. And the uh, munchkins in the play are Tommyknockers. Um, oh, so- nice kind of have the little mining uh, theme to it, but uh, it was received well. We had a phenomenal op- opening weekend and uh, numbers are a little low for tomorrow's performance, but uh, then they start to pick up for the weekend as well. So it'll be interesting to see. I think this is my, the first play I'm running during like blizzard season or whatever you guys call it up here in Colorado. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we're getting a lot of calls like, ah, if there's inclement weather, do we have to come? It's like, no, you don't. So <laughs> no, I already got your money. Forget it. You can yeah. stay home. <laughs> no, we're good about, you know, rolling it over to the next performance or something like that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy, man. You go to bed and wake up and there's two feet of snow on the ground. <laughs> I know it's, uh, it, in a way it's kind of awesome, but in another way it's kind of like, Ooh, I'm, I'm, well, I guess I gotta get ready for six more months of winter, but, uh, coming from Michigan, like when it starts snowing, you're six months of like depression, just like gray skies, <laughs> like cold. You like, you're like, oh, no wonder everybody drinks out here. Yeah. Shout well, out to Michigan. I love you. If you live in Detroit, that's like that all the time. So, you know. <laughs> well, hey, 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 we get, we get some sunny days out there. That's true. And then the murder rate seems to go up, but what do you think? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm digging it out here, man. I mean, it might snow two feet, but the next day, I mean, it's bright and sunny. So I, 360 days of sun is not bad. I'm kind of digging it myself, but. But uh, kind of getting back to the play again now, is the play kind of centrally wrapped around Tesla or am I, did I see that wrong? No, you did. You did. So, um, no, I mean, you did see that correctly. Sorry. You did not see that wrong. Um, <laughs> no, you absolutely saw that wrong, Dennis. No, no, no. Uh, uh, Tesla is Tesla during uh, when they're not in Oz. And then in Oz, he is the wizard. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, Nikola Tesla is the reason that uh, Dorothy gets sent back to Oz rather than a uh, tornado. And just a lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. They've got an all-new Christmas Oleo that they're doing this year, which the crowds absolutely love the Olio. So at the end of the play, the whole crowd's like standing there like, all right, come on, Olio. And then they say <laughs> Olio and they uh, they all erupt. So it's it's been received extremely well. And we're just in the swing of things. We're doing uh, shows Thursday through Sunday. Uh, we have one Wednesday performance um, on the 21st of December. And then we'll be off for Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And I believe the day afterwards. And then we come back up, I believe the 27th or 28th. And then go all the way till New Year's Eve. And then I'll be... <laughs> 
watching the ball drop from the theater as we tear down the set. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a good time to me. And uh, I can't wait to see it because like I said, I got uh, really pumped after I watched um, Young Frankenstein. And I'm guessing being able to see people that you know on stage is going to be just as much fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot a lot of family members have come and seen the show, I think like two or three times already. So it's good to see the support within the community. And, uh, you know, I had uh, one patron stop me and just say that uh, it was amazing to see their friend's daughter on stage, who's typically very shy and being up there and, and just putting themselves out there has really opened them up. So that's always awesome. Catch that theater bug young. See, there you go. Acting is therapy most of the Amen. time. Well, some of the time. Most of the time, unless you're Daniel Day-Lewis and then he might send you. <laughs> or you live in L.A. full time. I, I, I can vouch for that. All right, Zach. Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate you being part of the show as always. And uh, I'm going to get up there in the next couple of weeks and uh, we'll take a peek at it and do another review. Amen. Sounds good, Dennis. I appreciate the time, brother. Good luck. All right, Zach. Appreciate you too. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, brother. Thanks a bunch. That was our friend, Butte Theater Manager, Zach Stanyo. And if you haven't seen a play for a while, do yourself a favor. Take that cruise up there. Cripple Creek's a beautiful place. And spend some time with the Butte Theater. You won't regret it. Well, it's that time again. It is time for News of the Weird. Headline this week reads, Least Competent Criminal. Hmm, this should be interesting. Police in Wilkesburg, Pennsylvania were able to easily identify a carjacker who followed a woman off a bus at a park and ride on November 1st. Uh, this is not sounding good. When they located her stolen car a couple of hours later, the people inside hopped out and ran away. But one of the thieves left their identity behind via the Bluetooth iPhone connection in the car. Yeah, we see where this is going. Daryl's iPhone turned up on the car's list of devices, and a security guard at Westinghouse High School identified Daryl Cammon Jr., 19, from surveillance video on the bus. Cammon and another suspect have been arrested for aggravated assault and grand theft auto. I can just see it now. Daryl and his buddies are bumping around town, listening to their tunes on that brand new car that they just carjacked, and, uh, oops, turned around and bit him right in the backside. Nice going there, Daryl. Well, it just goes to show you that there's never a dull moment here in the Bear Cave and that there's always a candidate for the Bear Pile. Each week we nominate the top person, place, and or thing that should be tossed in the Bear Pile and eaten by the bears. This week the person, place, and or thing being tossed in the Bear Pile to be eaten by the bears is... This is from a couple of weeks ago. Remember, we had a Thanksgiving break. It's attorney Mark Worksman for being Harvey the Whale's attorney. That's uh, Harvey Weinstein, in case you didn't listen. Ah, what a horrible human being. Well, let's just leave it at that. The nominations this week are... Number one, the entire family of alleged murderer Anderson Aldridge. Yeah, they all deserve to be eaten by the bears. Although I think the bears will probably spit them out because they probably all taste like sh. Number two, the Donald. For going against the advice of his bootlickers and getting punked by an anti-Semitic rapper and his racist boyfriend. Yeah, I don't think he saw that one coming. And number three, car thief Daryl Kamen for his escapades in a stolen car. Guess you aren't that smart using a smartphone, are you there, Daryl? Jeez, what an idiot. He probably has a brother with the same name. Just saying. Well, that's another one in the can for me this week. Time to throw another log onto that Bear Cave fireplace, but I hope you enjoyed listening. I would like to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate, the Historic Butte Theater, and Peak Washing LLC. A very special thanks to my guests this week, Sherry Cardong from the Woodland Park Wind Symphony, Victor Main Street Manager Kim Loddick, the Butte Theater Manager Zach Stanyu, our field producer Trevor Phipps, and my producing partner Michelle Roselle for bringing us story time this week. If you have an event coming up or you just want to become a sponsor of the show, hit us up on our Facebook page this week in the Bear Cave or our Instagram page by the same name, and you can send Send your hate mail, as always, to thisweekinthebearcave at gmail.com. You can access the show on Spotify, Anchor by Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our not-so-celebrity guest next week is going to be Horn Pops, Aaron Brink. He's going to give us some of his parenting tips. I promise there will be no gay talk because Mormons don't do gay. Eh, whatever. 
Border Chogi boy Alejandro Mayorkas was supposed to come into the barricade, but he couldn't make it because he was on the hunt recruiting for the next person that he can fire from his uh, border security job. Get out! Yeah, what a tool. Talk to you again next week, everyone. Be well and thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, Sam and Max. This Week in the Bear Cave is produced by Analyst Productions, all rights reserved in perpetuity. 